Welcome back to another episode of Chili Time. This week, we are going to be doing things a little bit differently. Dan, my co-host, is away on a Levita trip with school for these next two weeks. And basically, what a Levita trip is, for those who don't know, is our school requires all incoming freshmen to choose between Levita and Discovery. And what that is, is before school starts, they will, all incoming students will be brought to school, which uh, Gordon campus, and then they all take a bus up to the Adirondacks, which is in New York. So they take a nice long three and a half, four hour drive, and they go spend two weeks out in the woods, walking trails and uh, doing devotionals and uh, things along those lines. And they're there for two weeks without any internet, phones, anything like that. So that is where he is this week. And we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. This week, I have the honor of having my pastor from my home church be with us to tell his testimony. And I'm very grateful for this. And uh, welcome to the show, Father Bill. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for speaking in church this morning. Thank you for inviting me to that. That was that was an honor. That was so fun. Well, I think people who know known you for many years enjoy the chance to hear you get up and, and speak and share what you've been doing recently. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why I have Father Bill on for today is because obviously I love hearing perspectives and I love I absolutely love hearing testimonies. I love. I, I think it's amazing to hear how God works in everybody's lives. So, f- for these next two weeks, we're going to have Father Bill on for this week. All right, now I'm going to let you take the take the floor and tell me your journey. Okay, and I need to forewarn you, Jacob. My story is different. Okay. Uh, but it's my story. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I don't apologize for it. It's the way God chose to act in my life. And there are three parts to it. The first and the last are related, but the middle one's critical to share that too. Okay. So when I was 14, uh, I left my home in Mexico City and went to a boys boarding school in Pennsylvania. To give you a mental picture of that, think of Hogwarts without the magic. Uh, That's kind of what it was like. Uh, there was 450, it was all boys, and we lived there. And a uh, place called the Hill School, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. I liked it. I liked it enough that I volunteered to give tours to prospective students who came to for an interview to tour the campus. One day in the early spring, I had just finished giving a tour, and I was walking back to my dorm. And on my right were the dorm buildings. On my left were the soccer fields. Uh, There were a lot of boys playing soccer there, screaming, making noise. And as I walked along, all of a sudden, it felt as if I was encased in a bubble. Uh, I could see people all around me, but I couldn't hear any sound. I could see the leaves in in the trees moving around, but I could feel no breeze. And then as quickly as it came, boom, the the bubble burst and 
at the same time, I felt a huge surge of energy inside me. And one word came to my brain, servant, servant. I had no idea what it meant, but I was so excited about the experience. That night, I called my parents back in Mexico City. And I said, you won't believe this experience I had. And I described it to them. And without me, you know, batting an eyelash, my dad said, oh, well, what you want to go into is the hotel and restaurant business. Huh. Well, that wasn't what I thought. Uh, but my dad seemed so clear. I, okay. So this was the end of my freshman year. From then on, my parents told everyone I was going to go into hotel management. Uh, I actually worked in a hotel in Mexico. And my college undergraduate work is a degree in business in hotel and restaurant management. I worked apart for a while at Ramada Inns, worked for Howard Johnson's. But it became clear that was not where it needed to be. But I'll come back to that. Quick question, timeline-wise. You say fresh as a freshman. Do you mean high school or college? School. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So just just want to clarify. All right, yeah. The first two experiences take place in high school. Okay. Uh, growing up in Mexico, there are not a lot of blonde, blue-eyed Episcopalians in Mexico. My family came originally from Germany, both my grandmothers from the US. I was raised in Mexico, so I'm a bit of three different cultures. Because of that, I never felt like I really fit in. Uh, I was never part of the in-group. Uh, if I was with a group of boys and they were gonna say play a softball game, they would pick teams. And then I was always the last one to be picked. And one captain would say to the other one, I got him last time, you got to take him this time. Uh, so part of me really wanted someday to be part of an in-group. When I went off to boarding school, uh, I became friends with some guys who, I don't know how others saw them, but they thought they were part of an in-group in school. Uh, and so I hung out with them. Uh, it gave me an identity. This was the late 60s. So these were also guys who did drugs, who were rebellious, tended to have a fairly negative outlook on life. But I was part of the group and that meant a lot to me. Somewhere in the winter of our senior year, because we thought we were very intellectual, we began talking about what is reality? What's real? And we all decided that Reality is in many ways shaped by our mind. If I assume that all people are out to get you, then that is probably how I'm gonna experience people. And I'm gonna go through life very defensive. If I think people live life just for what's in it for them, that's probably how I ex experience people. Well, we took that a step further and we said, for example, I'm sitting in a chair right now because I need something to hold me up. But if I concentrate hard enough, I can poof the chair away and it's gone. 
and it matches my reality. Well, we took that thinking and decided, uh, you know, this is the Vietnam War, rebellions taking place everywhere. We decided the world was going to hell in a handbasket and we could restart the world a better place. So six of us decided we would each invite our girlfriends and we would all go rent a room at the Biltmore Hotel in New York. And we would stay there until we poofed the world away. And then the 12 of us would start the world all over again because everybody else would be gone. Well, even then it seemed like a bunch of baloney to me. But what that conversation did is it kind of triggered something inside of me. And I began wondering if really life is that bad. Maybe the answer is poof. But poof for me became committing suicide. And I kind of spiraled down into depression, got to a point where I decided how I would take my life, how I would tell people I was gonna do it. I just hadn't decided when. So this was all going on in my life. And then one night, early spring, and now this was my senior year, I had a dream. I, I think it was a dream, maybe it was a vision, I don't know, but it was very real. I saw myself walking on top of a flat mountaintop, the kind you see out west, a Mesa mountaintop. Behind me, everything was pitch black, it was dark. In front of me, I was walking right toward the edge. And when I stood on the brink there, looking down, there was just kind of a dark red light there. And then I became aware that there was someone next to me. I can't tell you if that was Jesus, if it was an angel, all I knew is that it was a good being who was interested in my well-being. And I understood that this is where I was going with my life. And I had a choice to make. Either take one step off the edge into the red abyss and my life was done, or I could turn around and behind me there was nothing but darkness walk into the darkness and start life anew. And I understood somehow that to turn around meant I needed to sever ties with my classmates who've been my friends for the last four years. People who in many ways defined who I was. And I stood there for what seemed like ages. And I finally decided that there's more to life than I'd experienced yet. And I would say yes to life. And I would be willing to cut ties with my friends, which meant I wouldn't know who I was or who my friends were, but it was worth the risk. So I turned around and because it was dark, I began slowly walking to the darkness. With each step I took, 
it got lighter and lighter. And then around me, where I expected to see desert rocks, it was lush vegetation, all sorts of plants. And as the sun came up over the horizon, there was suddenly this incredible symphonic music that filled my bones. And I popped out of bed. I've never felt so alive in my whole life. And it was good to be alive. The next morning when I showered, it felt like I was rubbing years of gunk off my body. I, I, I thought it was sort of scales that just came off me. On the way to breakfast that morning, I saw classmates that I ignored for four years because they weren't part of my little group. And I talked to them. I discovered they were interesting human beings. Uh, we'd taken the school roster and crossed them off and decided they weren't worth being alive. In fact, they were very much worth being alive. Uh, I decided that day that I had a deep hunger to know God, to follow God's way, to commit myself to follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew that day was day one in a new life for me. And that began an incredible journey because uh, that was about 50 years ago. In college, I became very involved with the campus ministry, uh, began learning, just kind of absorbing anything I could learn. One day in the spring, I was sitting in a lecture at a class in the hotel school. And all of a sudden, this is the third experience, I felt like I was in a bubble. I could see the professor speaking, his mouth opening, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. I could sense my classmates around me moving around, but I couldn't hear anything. And then the bubble popped. And again, that surge of energy within me. Uh, but this time, the word that came to me wasn't servant. It was priest. And I could hardly wait for class to be over. When it was over, I jumped up, I ran out, went across campus. It was noon, and that day they had a, a service, a Eucharist at noon. So I ran to the campus chapel. I said, Father McKenzie, Father McKenzie, I know what I've got to do with my life. He said, oh, what? I said, I've got to be a priest. And he looked at me and said, yeah, go light the candles, which at the time was a real bummer. In fact, was probably the best answer he could have given me because I need to spend the next several years testing whether that really was God speaking to me or just a bad breakfast that day. Did I have what it took to then go on to seminary sometime and be a pastor in a church? Uh, I think the answer was yes. Uh, but again, that's part of a whole long journey, but that, those experiences were absolutely pivotal in my lives. Days, times when everything turned around and I took a new direction. So let me stop right there. Any questions, anything you want me to clarify? 
Uh, I do have a question actually. So I kind of, uh, I kind of want to ask you to uh, dive into more depth of these bubble experiences because they all sound similar. So I'm kind of curious, do you think, so you had the bubble experience twice and you had the other experience in between there. Do you think those like experiences felt similar to each other? Well, the first and the third were almost identical. Uh, the only difference was where it took place and the word that came to my mind. Uh, I need to tell you, when I told my parents I felt called to be a priest, they were not amused. That was not their dream for their son. Uh, they were really psyched about my going in the hotel business. Maybe they wanted me to comp them rooms or something. I don't know. But uh, the other experience was very different. I felt more, uh, you know, the story of Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I felt like I had one night where everything in my life got turned upside down. And just as Ebenezer Scrooge wakes up and is excited to know he didn't miss Christmas and he changes completely, that's what I felt. Yeah. I, the, the, when you first said that, that's the first thing that came to mind was that. But I figured I'd wait, wait it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I got the Christmas Carol, I'd say vibe. I guess that's the word to use there. Yep. Um, but it's, that's amazing. It's uh, another thing that first thing that came to mind was a new beginning. And yep. it's exactly what came to mind. And I think to prepare me for what lay ahead and what, what God was calling me to do, uh, there needed to be some healing, uh, like, a lot of people I had some wounds and scars uh, for example uh, I grew up with an alcoholic father uh, my dad drank a lot when I was a young kid in fact his drinking got to the point that he could not get out of bed in the morning without first having a drink and he kept the bottle on his nightstand uh, by the time I was nine my dad was sober he never had a drink for the rest of his life. But uh, I remember vividly, uh, my brother and I would look out the window and decide whether it was good daddy or bad daddy who was coming home. If our dad seemed to be sober, we knew he would feel so guilty that he kind of go overboard to be a great dad. But if he came staggering or slurring his words, uh, he was scary. Uh, he, he'd beat us. He'd, uh, he was just scared to be around. And it could change. Uh, I remember, for example, my dad said one day, because my brother and I were three years apart, but our birthdays are only four days apart. So we often celebrate our birthdays together. He said for our birthday, he was going to give us a whole camping equipment, a tent, backpacks, everything. So I said, let's go to Sears and check out the camping equipment. On the way, we stopped at a restaurant where the servers would come up to the car, uh, kind of like Sonic, except yeah. that they served drinks. 
And so my brother and I got a bowl of maraschino cherries. My God, my dad got six old fashions. And he downed them all on our way to Sears. By the time we got to Sears, uh, he was kind of staggering. And they had a tent display. And he said, I'm going to check this out and crawled in and passed out. The sales clerk then started screaming at me and said, get him out of here, get him out of here. And I was desperately trying to wake my dad. He was out cold. Uh, so they asked me for my home phone number. I don't know how I remembered it, but I did. My grandmother came, they took my dad away, they took us home, uh, but that kind of stayed with me. Not too long after that, uh, my dad came home from work late one night and instead of going down our, our driveway, he accidentally put the car in reverse, went across the street into our neighbor's house and passed out. And my mom and a woman who lived with us, carried him into the house, laid him out on the sofa. And I think I was four at the time. Uh, but I remember standing outside the living room. My mom was sitting with my dad, just crying and crying. And I'm thinking, I'm the eldest son here. I've got to fix this. So in my brain, I thought, maybe what I'll do is I'll go to the kitchen and get a big knife and I'll kill daddy. That way, mommy will stop crying and she'll love me. Okay, I never did that. I never told anybody about that. Years later, my wife and I were at a conference at a Benedictine Abbey in Pecos, New York. And uh, they were traditional monastery, but also uh, very committed to the work of the Holy Spirit. And they had a strong healing ministry there. And after being there all week, we had a chance uh, in, a, in a large room setting to meet one-on-one -on -one with one of the monks who would pray for us for healing. And when it was my turn, I went up to one of the monks and he said, what would you like me to pray for? He said, uh, I, I said, I'd like to forgive my dad. He said, okay. So he just had me relax, close my eyes. And he said, let's just start, picture the most relaxing place you've ever been. Just try to see that in your mind. Well, for me, we, we should vacation at a resort in Acapulco in Mexico. And I should swim around the ocean there and look down to fish below me. Uh, and that's what I was picturing, just kind of floating on the ocean floor, look at the fish there. And he said, keep that relaxed atmosphere. Now picture Jesus near you. Well, I knew that not far from the place where I was imagining, at the seashore, there was actually a statue of the Virgin Mary. So I just pictured that being Jesus. And he said, now just tell Jesus whatever you want to say. And before I could say any word, I realized that while I was in completely relaxed, my right hand was clenched in a fist. It was tight, tight. And the figure of Jesus came towards me, didn't say a word. 
he just held out his hand. And I realized then that in my mind, what I was clutching in my right hand was that big kitchen knife I talked about taking when I was four years old. And I understood Jesus was saying, if you're ready, give it to me. And so I held out, opened my hand, let go. And I let him go of that knife. That also brought about a new healing in my relationship between my dad and for me. So there were other experiences like that where uh, I needed to be healed. That was all part of God's journey with me that began with that dream when I was a senior in high school. Wow. So that's a bit of my story, my, my testimony. Yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, so that was around about how many years ago now? Which one? Uh, I'd say... My high school years were between 1965 and 1970. Okay. So a little over 50 years ago. Yeah. The experience at the monastery uh, was probably about 30 years ago. Okay. I was a pastor at a church then. Yeah. Both my children were born. Okay. So my question now is, um, where would you say your faith is now? Uh, I would call it Vesper time. Vesper are the monastic prayers of the evening. Uh, I'm 70 years old. Uh, there's more to look back to in the rearview mirror than there is to look forward to, at least in this life. Uh, so it's more of tying up loose ends, uh, deepening my relationship, being ready for the next life, whatever God has prepared. Yeah. I'm not ready to check out yet. But yeah, yeah. You know, at 70, you think more about, uh, I'm getting older. Yeah, under that's understandable. Also, I, I pray differently. Okay. I would say, younger, my prayers are more formal. I mean, I read scripture, read reflections every day, pray, you know, to begin the day, to end the day. Uh, but also, I find I'm closer to God when I pray while walking. And I'm fortunate uh, where I live. There's some woods nearby uh, with some wonderful trails there. I can go off on an hour walk uh, and just do a lot of reflecting, praying, and just time alone with God. Uh, I've learned for me that works better than yeah. either kneeling in a church or praying in my quiet room. Uh, life's a journey, a journey of faith, and that is part of my prayer. Yeah. I, I also find uh, walking as a great time to pray as well. Um, we had a few episodes ago, an entire episode dedicated to prayer, talking about what it is and how people uh, pray themselves and like the different ways to pray. And I brought up that walking and prayer is probably my go-to way to pray on the way to do something. You know, it's the... I, I put this in quotes as the easiest way to pray, but really what we came down to is praying is just a conversation with God. So there, I, there's in a, another light of there's not an easiest way to pray. It's just talking to God. 
but I I do agree there of walking in prayer. Prayer is it's a it's a good way of praying. And I'm always looking for uh, new ways to stimulate my walk with the Lord. Uh, about a year ago, uh, I joined a group called uh, Ignatian Volunteer Corps. It's mostly Roman Catholics, uh, but they're people who do volunteer work in the community to serve the community, but they also, uh, their life is immersed in spirituality uh, of St. Ignatius. So you told us your story. You gave us of where you're at now. I'll actually, I'll ask a answer a question you didn't ask. Okay. Uh, but one thing I learned early on is that, uh, you know, scripture says, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Uh, we need to be open to letting God surprise us. Uh, when I was in college, I was very much in love with a girl I met in Mexico and then her family went to Phoenix. Uh, I made a lot of trips from Denver to Phoenix. Uh, I proposed, we plan on getting married. Uh, but we were young and she, then after I gave her the ring, she was dating a couple other guys. And to me, that wasn't what it meant to be engaged. So we broke it off. And you break a relationship like that, it, it's painful. Uh, a few years later, I met somebody else. Uh, she was the first person who just kind of really almost pursued me. Uh, I thought I was mad in love. I asked her if she wanted to marry me and she said, nope, she met somebody else. So I didn't get married. I wasn't sure I'd find anybody. I went through, you know, after college, I worked in a hotel business for a while then I went to seminary. Uh, my last year in seminary, I did an internship at a church in Littleton, Colorado. And the senior warden's daughter uh, was very quiet and shy. Uh, but when I came for a visit once uh, to meet with the bishop and stuff, she picked me up at the airport. I was told she requested to go get me. Turns out she was told nobody was available. Would you please go do it since her dad was senior warden? Anyway, we kind of hit it off. So we wrote back and forth. And then a few months later, I had another trip to Denver. I asked her if she wanted to go and have dinner with me. This was in March. So she agreed. It is hard to imagine a date going worse than it went. Uh, she didn't like the restaurant I took her to. I mean, for me, looking at the menu was looking at dozens of choices and narrowing it down. For her, it was like looking for a needle in a haystack. What's the one thing I can eat here? Because she hated all the food. We got early to the movie and she was embarrassed by my conversation. She was glad when the movie started. When we got back home, uh, I thought, well, you know, it went okay. I'll give her a kiss. She made sure the car door was between us. So there's 
no kissing going on. So I figured, well, that was a dead end there. The next night, this was during Lent, she had taken on doing evening prayer every day. And that night, a verse of the psalm leapt out at her. What that verse said to her was, God knows you better than you know yourself. And God was saying, give Bill another chance. And she felt like it would be okay if I would ever ask her out again. A few days later, I was still in Denver and I was reading a book by a Christian author called Madeline Lengel. She's probably best known for her book, The Wrinkle in Time. Uh, but this book was called The Love Letters. At the very end, uh, the main character makes a point that we need to love people for who they are, not who we want them to be. And I had a sense that God was saying to me, Bill, I know you better than you know yourself. Give Barbara another chance. And I found myself not only being okay with another date, but really want to see her again. Well, as it turns out, before I took my plane back to seminary, we did see each other briefly. And we talked much later on, but it turns out at that moment, we both realized someday we'd end up married. Uh, didn't know how we were gonna get there. Well, I ended up being assigned to her parish. Uh, we got to know each other. Uh, see, our first date was in March. Uh, we got engaged in October. Uh, we got married in January. And that was 42 years ago. Wow. But uh, that was not originally our plan. Uh, the two people I thought were perfect matches turned out not to be. The one I thought was a disaster, God knew best. Yeah. Wow. So I'll ask you one more quick question before we end everything off. What would you, if you were to give words of encouragement for younger younger Christians, what would you give them? I'll share the one piece uh, from scripture that has made all the difference for me. Uh, after Jesus is risen from the dead, he appears to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And he takes Peter aside, Peter who denied Jesus three times. And he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I love you. And then Jesus asks the second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And then Jesus asks the third time, Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, yeah, I, yes, I love you. Kind of like three times he says, I love you, to make up for the three times he denied him. And then Jesus says, today you walk where you will. You go wherever you want. But a day will come when another will bind you and take you where you would rather not go. 
And then John says, this was to describe how Peter was to glorify Jesus, glorify God. For me, ultimately, that is how to pray. Whether I'm using written prayers, my own prayers, prayer language, whatever, when all is done and said, I pray with my hands outstretched, let God bind me and take me to places, situations, circumstances I've never chosen on my own. Uh, and so I guess my advice would be, whatever your background, whatever you believe, uh, dare to stretch out your hands and let a higher power, which I believe is God, we know in Jesus, uh, lead you and take you on an incredible journey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That's actually, that's really needed to hear a lot. A lot. Um, thank you for sharing your testimony, your story. Um, thank you for inviting me. I, I love, I, I, I'll say it every time I have someone on, but I, I love listening to testimonies. I love listening how God works in our lives because he works in some amazing ways and it's so amazing to hear how he does it. Absolutely. So thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Those who are listening. Um, if you have any ideas or things you want for Dan and I to touch on when he gets back, let us know. And also the podcast is now officially on Spotify. That was a long process, but I figured it out. The pod uh, podcast is officially on Spotify as well as YouTube has it as it has been. So you have now two options of places to listen to and have a great rest of your week. You're halfway through the week. It's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. <laughs>